Hello and welcome to another episode of Football in Oceania podcast. Today we're going to take a trip to the beach to talk about the upcoming Beach Soccer World Cup in Russia and Tahiti's chances in that tournament. With me today is Mark Pendergast, who's a beach soccer commentator for Beach Soccer Worldwide. Mark, thanks for coming on. No problem. Uh, I'm many miles from the beach at the moment and dreaming of the sand as I sit here in London. But yes, I am the beach soccer commentator uh, for many of the tournaments around the world. Yeah, so for those who may not know, what is beach soccer? Well, the cliche is in England we say football's a game of two halves. Well, in beach soccer, it's a game of three thirds. It's tactically very similar to futsal, but imagine futsal where it was played in the air. So you've got five aside, uh, three 12-minute periods. Uh, it's a fast and frenetic game. So every time there's a free kick, the free kick is direct and unopposed. Uh, there's an average of about nine goals a game. And as you can imagine, Brazil are the number one team in the world. As you imagined, Copacabana Beach in Brazil, in Rio, with everybody playing beach soccer there, that, that cliche of being there is actually true. And that's where the, the sport was born. And it's, it's developed all over the world since then. So it's a, it's a very fast-paced, high-scoring game where you see spectacular overhead kicks as the normal, uh, volleys are the normal, and the, the good teams, as opposed to 11-a-side football, don't play it on the floor, they play it in the air. Yeah, and you say, you know, that Brazil's the obvious choice of, of if you've got to pick a good team in beach soccer. Are there any others? Where, where's beach soccer popular? Well, this is the surprising thing about beach soccer. I'll say some countries to you and you'll probably be surprised that they are big in beach soccer. Switzerland, which is landlocked, has zero beaches in the country. Belarus are a good team. Russia has the biggest league in the world and probably the most moneyed league in the world. Uh, Portugal are a fantastic team and there's no surprise there when you consider the Portuguese coast uh, that they are a powerhouse in beach soccer and the big Brazilian influence they have there as well. Spain are a good team. Italy are outstanding. And uh, when you look further around the world, really South America, Brazil are miles and miles ahead of everybody else. And when you look at Oceana, it's Tahiti, which are the number one team on the back of the fact they hosted the World Cup a number of years back. How did you get into beach soccer yourself? I mean, it's not it's not the no- most normal sport to get into. No, it's not. And especially for an Englishman who normally is just taking his dog for a walk on the beach never or lying down on a sun lounge drinking a beer. I think that's the stereotype of the English person on the beach. But it was it was something I lived in Dubai for a number of years and they got the rights to host the Beach Soccer World Cup. I, I got to know the coach, Marcelo Mendes. I used to go and watch the UAE national team train and he just caught the bug from there. And he's sort of like trying to explain to me in the first sessions, well, I've got to teach these players how to run first on the sand. And you just start to get into the intricacies of, of beach soccer. And then once you get involved in it, in terms of the media side, you start to know all the players, the coaches. And it's just gone from there. And I've, I've been so lucky. I've been all over the world with it, to the likes of Nigeria, Paraguay, Russia, all over Europe. And it's just a sport that I got into by chance because I was a big football fan and into football broadcasting. But now I've uh, sort of sideways, if you like, to beach soccer, and that, that's my number one. You mentioned, you know, uh, Russia had a rich league and, you know, normal grass football is, you know, there's plenty of money going on there. How, what's the what's the money status in beach soccer? Do people make silly money or is it, you know, more normal wage? It's a, it's a more normal wage. It's, it's, I, I liken it to like being a surfer 
almost. You know, you hear, you see surfers who are chasing a perfect wave around the world. But you get the, the good beach soccer players, the Brazilians and, and the various nationalities. They're like that. They might play for two or three different clubs, you know, within a season, a normal season pre-COVID. So they might play in Brazil at one point. They might come across and play in the Portuguese league. Then they might play in the Russian league as well. And they, and they get paid. Sometimes they don't get paid, depending on the, the standard of the player uh, per tournament. Uh, the number of games so you might be involved in a tournament in Russia for, you know, you might be there for three or four weeks, depending on the, the length of the contract. So it's, it's a very different type of sport. It's, it's very much they, they, they follow where maybe the money is for some of the players, and where, you know, where the, the experience is for a lot of the players, depending on their, you know, their circumstance and their situation, where they come from in the first place. Because if you've got a good job or you're doing other things within football, then you know you, you will not give that up. But if you're from a poorer background, then obviously the chance to go and play beach soccer for a certain amount of money every for three or four weeks, you know, can tide you through six, seven months back home. Yeah, and I remember an article from back when uh, Tahiti were really, you know, to a couple of World Cup finals, and then uh, prior to, I think it was the 2017 World Cup, uh, someone made an article detailing what the uh, Tahiti national team did for, for a normal living. Like there were five fishermen, one telecoms operator, a couple of salespeople. Is that, is that the standard that people have normal day jobs or is that, you know, just the, the, the poorer sides, poorer countries? Well, it's, you name it. I mean, if you look at um, Jaggy, who just retired from the Swiss national team, he's a lawyer, sports lawyer. And then the El Salvador national team in Central America, a lot of the players are from actually an island off the coast of El Salvador and mostly fishermen. Uh, Tahiti was a, was a similar thing. It just depends on the country and the country's economy. You've got people who are very high-end in their jobs and they just love playing beach soccer on the side. And they're you know, outstanding players as well, but they're never going to give up being a sports lawyer to you know, play beach soccer around the world where other people have, you know, are fishermen, as you mentioned, or or different jobs where it's a hand-to-mouth existence. So the, the chance to play beach soccer and play professionally or semi-professionally is a huge opportunity for them. Uh, we mentioned uh, in the introduction here that you work, work for Beach Soccer Worldwide. What is that? That's basically the overarching company that looks after the sport. So they, they work alongside uh, FIFA, uh, UEFA and all, all the other organisations. And they, they do the nuts and bolts organising the tournaments they're coming up with the concepts for tournaments, uh, partnering with different countries and uh, different cities and different resorts to, to make tournaments happen. So if you decided you wanted to do a beach soccer tournament in Norway, then the best bet is to pick up the phone to Beach Soccer Worldwide. They will tell you exactly how to do things. We'll sort out all the logistics for you. And uh, they work in partnership with many different partners around the world, be it companies, be it uh, towns, cities, national associations, whatever it may be. Okay, that's that's uh, interesting to know since it's not just a purely FIFA-run sport then. No, FIFA run the, the World Cup and it's obviously played to FIFA rules with FIFA referees and everything else like that. They work in partnership, Beach Soccer Worldwide, with, with FIFA. I mean, I'm sure in a number of other uh, modes of the football and, and different you know, football uh, countries and things like that, they work, FIFA work in partnership with a lot of people. You, you sort of imagine FIFA don't need to have tens of thousands of people working at their headquarters who go out to different places and make tournaments happen. But obviously it doesn't work like that. It's, they've got to work with partners in the, the particular country, whatever they're doing, it'd be a you know, full World Cup or 
Club World Cup as they've just had in Qatar. They work with the local partners, so a beach soccer facilitate those those type of partnerships and make things happen. They're the experts, put it that way. If you want a beach soccer tournament doing, give them a call. They will they will fix everything for you. Uh, you know, right from the day one when the players arrive at the airport, even prior to that, to the you know stadium operation, everything. All right, let's turn our attention to the thing that people who listen to this podcast care the most about. That's the uh, region of Oceania. What do you know about Oceania and their beach soccer culture? I think one word counts here, Tahiti, is the is the most important word. You need to go Oceania, you think Australia, well, so much coastline. Surely there must be beach soccer there. They're not they're not included in the in the rankings, they do have a beach soccer team. New Zealand, the same, which would be the two powerhouses in terms of football in, in Oceania. Of course, Australia are in Asia when it comes to the confederation uh, for uh, football. But you would expect those those two countries to have a, a big foothold in it. But beach soccer kind of, it, it works better in smaller countries because very quickly, if you've got some athletic players or you've got a, a good basis, you can quickly build a national team that competes very quickly as Tahiti proved when they hosted the World Cup. They brought in Angelo Shrinzi, who was the Swiss coach. He worked with the players there and they, they're competitive ever since, ranked 13th in the world now and will remain competitive and, and their players play in Tahiti but also play abroad uh, and also get the, you know, are, are considered to be bigger name players that are big on that club circuit as we talked about before in, in beach soccer. So, they are the number one team by a long way. I think they've got three times the ranking points of the sort of a next team on the rankings. So it's going to be the qualifiers for the World Cup and that Oceania Championship. But you're not going to really see past Tahiti unless there is a, a major, major upset. And I just don't see it. Yeah, as you mentioned, Tahiti are number 13 on the world rankings and have been kings of Oceania for a few years now. But prior to that, it was the Solomon Islands. Uh, what do you think made Tahiti take the throne for themselves? Was it the hosting that World Cup that gave them a reason to to really go for beach soccer? Yeah, simple as that. You get the World Cup, the same with the Bahamas. They made it through to the knockout stages of the World Cup they hosted. It's a, it's a sport where you can have a group of players, you bring in a good coach, like they brought in Angelo Shinzi. Uh, you know, the other teams have done the same with the likes of Marcelo Mendes, the Brazilian coach, Alexander Suarez, uh, with uh, Bahamas as well. They bring in these coaches, they work with the players tactically. It's a very simply simple tactical game. So once they do that, and once the players understand the basics of beach soccer, uh, their, their fitness levels uh, rise up because obviously they've been working together in the sand for uh, a number of a time, for a length of time. Then you can you can rock it up the rank, rank rankings quite quickly, and I think it also helps, uh, similar to El Salvador, as we look at them now, probably the, the latest sort of smaller nation to really rise up the rankings and really shine. It helps when you've got players who can easily commit because they don't have, you know, they, it doesn't cost you a lot of money to take a player away from his full time job. Probably the best way of describing it. So as we said before. If you've got a sports lawyer in your team, you're gonna to have to pay him a lot of money to decide to give up being a sports lawyer for three or four years while he plays beach soccer, whether someone is a, is a fisherman or has a you know a, a less well-paid job, it's easier to persuade them to to, uh, to devote themselves to beach soccer a lot more. 
And then at the last World Cup in Paraguay in 2019, Tahiti got knocked out of the group stage on uh, on goal difference. I think it was one goal less scored than the Uruguay. Uh, and, you know, kind of didn't perform as many had expected prior when they'd been in the final two out of three times. And, you know, wh- what do you think that is? Just unlucky? Unlucky, it could be. I think the one thing that does count against Tahiti compared to other teams... Um, is the fact that you know they, they couldn't play in the World Beach Games because they were considered part of France in the, with the Olympic Committee. So that was in Qatar. They would have easily uh, qualified and, and played in that. There's the, but they couldn't be considered. So that international competition is not there for them. It's also difficult to play friendlies because you are really in the middle of the ocean, Pacific Ocean there. And you know, for likes of El Salvador uh, and uh, Paraguay, were hosting that World Cup. They came across to Europe, Paraguay, and played played friendlies during the Euro Beach Soccer League. Uh, El Salvador across at the World Beach Games, so they they get the big international competition to to improve, and that's the one thing that Tahiti will will struggle with. They rely on players, their own players going abroad and playing in the club beach soccer circuit to to get that experience. It seems the Tahiti team are going through somewhat of a squad renewal or general, generational change, if you will, with uh, players like uh, Naya Bennett and Teva Savaroni at least seemingly retired. They weren't in the 2019 OFC uh, Nations Cup. Uh, and, you know, the older players now is uh, the uh, kind of awesomely named Raimana Lee Fung Kuei and uh, goalkeeper Jonathan Toro here. Uh, what do you think, you know, going through a change like that is going to impact their performance? I think it depends on what happens with the, the players who decide to retire. Are they going to become coaching staff? Are they going to bring that experience to bring through the next generation of players? Is the will from the, the Tahitian FA to do it? Uh, is there budget there to do it? It's all these things that are to be considered. I mean, you've got to imagine in Tahiti, these, these players are very well known. And, you know, a small nation like that to get international success in, in any sport is, is huge for them. So it's a, it's a great thing for the, the nation itself. So I'm, I'm sure there'll be some kind of, there'll be momentum behind it if they do push for this next generation. Whether they go for the same investment or they'll have, they'll have the same level of investment as when they did host the World Cup is, not, well, it's not going to be there in the same way. But whether they can find a way around that or just, you know, continue that momentum of a younger generation coming through playing beach soccer and they just have more and more people playing it. So they'll just continually have better players coming through that is something that requires a little bit of nurture and it'll just be nature as well by the fact that the team's been successful and there's more and more people playing beach soccer and there's definitely no shortage of beaches in Tahiti that is that is very true if I remember correctly I think uh, Naya Bennett and uh, Teva Savaroni were both assistant coaches in the uh, Nations Cup so they seem to be taking up uh, that role in uh, some capacity. At least I know Naya Bennett also coached the uh, Tahiti men's uh, normal 11 aside team. So yeah, and he seems to have players, a coaching future ahead of him. For players coach abroad as well in uh, in different roles with the Bahamas, etc. So it's it is it is something they they can they can develop. But it's it's that the smaller nation can develop very quickly, but they can also drop very quickly if they lose two or three good players and they can't replace them very quickly. Then they they're they're going to struggle and don't have the depth of the league as well, uh, where their their players, you know, their, their players will all be Tahitian in the league, the Portuguese league, for example. There's there's international players, Brazilians, uh, players from all over the world, uh, come in and play in in that league. So that that 
increases the strength of the league, and that's why the, the Russian league, as you mentioned, is the strongest in in the world. So that's there. There are things counting against it. I think the remoteness of TT is the one thing that counts against it. But the momentum is there, and it, you know I don't think there's any danger they'll be challenged in Oceania. But it's just getting out, taking that next step outside of the uh, their own confederation. I mentioned the goalkeeper Jonathan uh, Torohia earlier, who's arguably I think one of the best in the world. Uh, how important is the goalkeeper spot for a beach soccer team? Is it the most important one? Good question. You can argue that one all day. I think the most important player is the one who scores the most goals. And that sometimes you've got a goalkeeper who can score, uh, which is and play, play footwork on a goalkeeper is absolutely vital. I think it was the one thing that Switzerland in the past did struggle with. They had one goalkeeper, Valentin, who's just retired now. It was outstanding with his feet and they took them to the World Cup final. But below that, they struggled uh, to, to a real point. Now they've got a goalkeeper in, Elliot Manood, who's very good with his feet. So if you've got a goalkeeper who is good with his feet, it's absolutely vital. It's almost as important as the, his ability to to save a shot because he can set the attack, he can score goals. You've got Mao of Brazil. You know, he scores lots of goals and he's, he's always a danger. So it, it's... Is it the most important position in a team of five? I, I, I can't say, but a, a good goalkeeper is, with his feet especially, is absolutely vital. And teams that have two good goalkeepers, very strong goalkeepers like Portugal, Italy, Brazil, they tend to do very well because they've got that, that strength in depth and they've got, they don't, the standard, if they switch keepers, the standard doesn't drop at all with the team. It's still that momentum of pushing forward and the keeper can, uh, you know, move the ball quickly. The keeper can take shots himself and uh, pose a threat. So uh, this summer we have the upcoming uh, Beach Soccer World Cup in Moscow. Uh, what do you think the Haiti chances are going into that tournament? I think the chances are knockout stages. I think you know the, the the ability of these smaller nations to really step on and challenge the likes of Portugal, Russia, Brazil is is going to always be limited. There's the sheer strength in depth of those those nations. I mean, I was looking at Instagram yesterday, and that the Russian national team is on a training camp at the moment indoors. They've got that facility. They've got the facilities in Moscow, in Saint Petersburg. They're very well packed by the 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 Russian FA. So I think to break into that is is very difficult. I mean, the, the last smaller nation to really challenge, I suppose, is, is Switzerland, uh, Belarus are the two that, that have shown a little bit of a challenge, but they just don't have that strength in depth. And I think it will be difficult for Tahiti, but on the day, they, they can definitely give anybody a game, I'd say, apart from maybe the likes of Brazil, Russia and Portugal. So you mentioned Brazil, Russia and Portugal, are they the main teams to watch out for this World Cup or are there any others you know, people should look at? For? Watch out for Brazil, obviously, and then watch out if Brazil play Russia because Russia seems to always beat them in the World Cup and you know Brazil can win for 18 months in a row and then they come up against Russia and lose in the World Cup and Russia get that excited by it that they don't um, uh, then go on to win the, the Cup themselves. Uh, so it's it's difficult to look past Brazil uh, it's difficult to look past Portugal as well. They've been incredibly strong and lost that older generation of players and replaced them and come back extremely strong in the last World Cup. Uh, and Russia, of course, two times World Cup winners as well. Are there any specific players people should uh, keep an eye on? 
If you like the spectacular, look at Gabriele Gori of Italy. Uh, when it comes to overhead kicks, he's the, the absolute master. Small, stocky player, low centre of gravity, uh, absolutely uh, lethal in front of goal. Brazil, look at the whole team. All great ball players, all can score. They, they, it's almost like they're trying to outdo each other when they play sometimes. When they get on a roll, there's just, I'll score, you score, to me, to you, to me, to you. Um, for Portugal, you've got the twins who play there, the Martins twins, who I, I think are absolutely outstanding. And uh, to me, it's, it's sometimes a mystery why they either one of them is not one World Player of the Year. Uh, former World Player of the Year for them, Jordan, absolutely excellent. Uh, Andrade, the goalkeeper now, he's, he's, you know, he's probably the wrong side of 40. He used to play for Marseille. He's played in the Champions League, so he's, he's one of the few that's played professionally in the 11-a-side game and the uh, beach soccer. So he's, he's worth looking at because he's coming towards the end of his career. Uh, so they're, they're the players. Nikoronov of, of Russia is, out, is outstanding. Uh, Krash, I won't say his full name because it's about 28 letters, but Krash, he has that on the back of his shirt. That will do for me. Uh, it's also uh, stalwart for Russia. These, these players are really at the, the, the peak of their careers. And I think with the World Cup being in Moscow as well, it's going to be very difficult um, to see past them or Brazil to win it, I would say, with probably Portugal. Uh, just just behind them. Right. Well, that's the end of my line of questioning, is so to speak. Uh, anything else we should we should mention about beach soccer or Tahiti? Anything you feel we haven't touched on? Not really. I think it's beach soccer. You should check out the website beach um, beachsoccer dot com. All the links to all the tournaments there. What what is fantastic is that you can uh, get plenty of beach soccer on there. So there's a tournament as there was recently in Uruguay. Um, there's, there is beach soccer going on despite COVID. There was one in uh, Kirby uh, recently as well in Africa. You will get all the links there. You'll get the, the live streams as well. Uh, as we come towards the summer, uh, I think the leagues to watch out for if you get the chance to watch. And the, the Russian FA does have the uh, live stream for it. It's the, the Russian league. You'll see all the best players in the world there. So if you want to ground in beach soccer, I would say watch that. And the Euro Beach Soccer League as well, which obviously features the best European teams, which apart from Brazil are the best players in the world. All right. Well, you heard the man, beachsoccer.com. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Mark, and, uh, you know, enjoy the rest oh, of can your I day. Also mention my po- can, I, can I also of mention course. my uh, our podcast as well? Uh, Santor, the Beach Soccer Podcast, uh, with uh, every month myself and Matt Mills, whose press office are also Beach Soccer Worldwide. Uh, big interviews, we give you the insight into Beach Soccer. So if you, if you want to... Re- if you want about to learn about beach soccer in 20 minutes, okay, and to be entertained as well, hopefully, then check out the Sand Talk uh, podcast. Just uh, type in Sand Talk Beach Soccer and you will find it on all good podcast providers and probably some of the bad ones as well. All right, that sounds spectacular. Make sure you do that, everyone at home. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>